0: Greetings. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy cuffing time. It is winter. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Black. I'm your host, E. King. Justice is out for a while. Our guest co-host is Stephanie Kelly Lewis, who is going to join us today. How are you doing, Steph?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Welcome back. Welcome Justice back. Justice better watch out. I said that before, right?
0: <laughs> I think he knows now. Oh, I think okay, he knows so now. it's over, Justice. It's, Sorry. No,
1: you can't just over. break up like that. Okay, well, we're all here together.
0: <laughs> well, we got you got to ease somebody into that. You all have right, to break I'm sorry. up.
1: This is a small, what? slow transition. Oh, my
0: goodness. We're just, shared. You, right.
1: Shout out to Justice. Shout sorry to you're Justice. not here. Well, he's
0: on the beach anyway. So he's going to have for his Thanksgiving shrimp and fish
1: oh. on the beach. Mm-hmm right oh that's his authentically right. black and <laughs> blackness again
0: well wait that's the the slave ship came around the islands mm-hmm. they came around the islands so yeah he does
1: embrace that first part he does yeah so does. have fun with that that's actually nice that's very it is, it is. It's pretty i love it cool. it's i'm a little cool. jealous, I'm you, a little shouldn't jealous. Be. Yeah. you shouldn't be yeah a little shouldn't. jealous your, some live some your best back. life live your best always
0: life. And on the line to join us today, we are going to actually talk about the opioid uh, epidemic in the black community. But joining us on the line today, we have Mr. The One and Only Bruce Stephen Jones. Is that right? Because you got all your names and acronyms on LinkedIn. (laughs) He is the program coordinator of... The Crisis Stabilization Unit at Frontline. What is Frontline for those that don't know?
2: Frontline is the largest mental health organization in Northeast Ohio. Uh, They help people who are persistent mentally ill, Mm -hmm. uh, drug addicted, and homeless. Homeless is the key criteria.
0: Okay. And you've been in the, oh, wait, I forgot to say this on, on air. So all three of us have mental health backgrounds. Yeah. So we got a lot of degrees to talk about this thing. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. This thing <laughs> called opiate. And also the transition from to where, especially in the black community, to where at one point in time we're all old enough or young enough, Stephanie be trying to uh, fake the funk, but to remember <laughs> when crack <laughs> was the big uh, thing.
1: Crack is whack.
0: Crack, crack is whack from Whitney, uh, rest mm-hmm. her soul. And to where a lot of the programs that are going on and a lot of the, what's the word, heart and feeling that the general public is putting out for individuals suffering from the opioid crisis people are asking at least in the urban community and black community where was this as it relates to crack yeah and where yeah. was this far as we need these intervention and even in in ohio although it it did not pass we had issue one that was they had a small segment to where uh, uh 70 cent out of every dollar was going towards um or health programs and then that 30 cent was going towards victim towards crime right. and so um and I'm going to talk about that because I went to the watch party and asked a couple of people, like, why didn't that pass? Uh-huh. Or why didn't that come? Uh, a couple of people in the Democratic Party. But anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and get over to Bruce. So, Bruce, tell us about the Frontline program here in Cleveland. How you got connected to that?
2: Well, let's see. Um, i had always heard about Frontline. Look, mm-hmm. uh, my Alexa just went off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's just doing her thing. Um I, uh, I had always heard about Frontline, I was working at the uh, Community Assessment and Treatment Services called mm-hmm. CATS mm-hmm. and doing my uh, uh, finishing my uh, graduate work there, working at the women's prison. Gotcha. And we would send people and link people with Frontline,
0: so mm-hmm. that's
2: probably where I first heard of it.
0: Okay. And so you've been here for how long?
2: Oh, about six years, six, seven years.
0: Six, seven years. And how long have you been in mental health? Because, like I said, well, all three of us, we took our own paths to get there. But how long did you, or how did you get to that point? Well, um, frontline to where you was do my this?
2: actual start in mental health. I had a strong background for like 25 years in substance abuse. Okay. I've always worked in substance abuse, and I thought, you know, i polished polish up on my skills, and frontline seemed like the best place to do that.
0: Cool, cool.
1: Okay. You, you got something? No I, no, I don't. I think okay. you covered
0: it. And so you currently work for the stabilization unit. So I know mm-hmm. uh, Steph and I both used to work for uh, one of the local spots and mm-hmm. um, I worked in stabilization. Did you? Um, I can't remember. Well,
1: no, it was intensive treatment unit. Right. Yeah. So, I worked, so I
0: worked in stabilization. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give our listeners an idea of what stabilization is oh, as sure. it relates to mental Absolutely. health?
2: Absolutely, because a lot of people aren't aware that this unit exists.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, The census is 15, 15 clients at any given time. Now, these clients come from mainly hospitals. Uh, They're stepped down. They've been stabilized, medically cleared, uh, so they're not psychotic or, uh, you know, their suicide ideation has lessened. So they are then ready to go home, but they'll come to us. We keep them for a minimum of seven days. And that time we do uh you know, cognitive behavior therapy groups. Mm-hmm. Uh all the services are free. That's the important thing. Right. Uh, wow. Great food great food. That's one of the reasons I the job. <laughs> Did
3: he say food? <laughs> yes, food? <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, clients can, you know, they can eat all they want. They, they can rest up and just focus on what their next thing is. We link them to uh, community resources like uh, mental health services, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, You know, send his family to children Mm -hmm. or connections or recovery resources. Get them hooked up with case management services. Gotcha. We used to put them in group homes and do the paperwork for that, but that money had dried up. So now, uh, what we do is we have to, you know, discharge. Is I guess is an appropriate dish, shelters or back to the community. Now, some people live in the community and they are experiencing. They got off their meds for two months. They Mm -hmm. know. Is symptomatic, and they'll come to us. And you know, we have a psychiatrist there, a great guy named Dr. Neil Goldenberg, and mm-hmm. he'll stabilize them on the meds. We'll watch and make sure that you know everything's cool with the meds and um get them back focused and return back to the community
0: okay okay Mm -hmm. so we'll get into because i know that there's a whole big thing with the amount of mental health institutions across the country so we'll get into the Mm -hmm. idea of one the stabilization who's paying for Mm -hmm. do we need more and Mm -hmm. this idea of uh i know when i worked at one of the institutions the stabilization unit was supposed to be a place where you got the most sick individuals or mm-hmm. the most troubled individuals yes. and they step down, but mm-hmm. due to certain constraints on, and I worked in the adolescents. are you child or adole- are you adults? or Adults. Okay. Adults. What,
1: what is the um, age range that you usually see, like 18 as youngest or in, what's the oldest? Oh yeah, we
0: see as young as 18.
1: Wow. Um,
2: those usually are, you know, like females, borderlines, mm-hmm. who you know, are, are experiencing a crisis, but we have senior citizens who uh, wow. have been on their meds for a long time and, uh, and um, have just sort of decompensated.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So it's always a range of people and ethnicities. Okay. And okay. One Asian. One Asian.
1: <laughs> one is
2: Asian that right? here all those years. Just one, yeah.
1: And is it. um is a
2: whole conversation.
3: Right,
1: right. I also am curious about um, how the clients are mixed in group when it comes to age and gender.
3: Mm
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that look like?
3: Well, it, it is. Let's see, out of the
2: 15 clients that are there at any given time, uh, they're strongly encouraged to attend group. Now, it's not. Um, hold on. It's not a um, mandatory that I attend group, but my group's kind of exciting, so I, mm-hmm. I get a, a lot of participation, and uh, it's always mixed. I can't really. You know, speak on the demographic because they change all the time,
3: but oh, okay. it's,
2: it's always mixed. There's a good mix of people.
0: Gotcha, okay, gotcha. okay. And so, like I said, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about that because I think it's needed. Um, oh yeah. a lot more. And I know in the '60s, a lot of the closures of the mental institutions in Cuyahoga County and in Ohio, mm-hmm. actually across the country, brought in this new phase of mental health and what it looks like in our community, and um, mm-hmm. to where do we need to go back to that? But what that's usually in our solution portion to where we talk. But before we get into that, we're going to go ahead and get into that first question.
1: All right. So as we always ask all of our guests, mm-hmm. when did you first become aware of your blackness?
2: Well, that's a great question. I was thinking about that. Why would I could answer it in so many ways? <laughs> um, but I can tell you, uh, Growing up in Cleveland Heights, I remember there were three black families on the block when um, I started there. And uh, I spent all my time, I guess, with my friends who were then Jewish, going to seders Mm -hmm. and bar mitzvahs and things like that. And as black people started coming up from the inner city, um, I realized that I was different. I was an Uncle Tom. (laughs) <laughs> because wow. I spoke differently oh yeah I spoke differently oh. um, my, my frame of reference was different and um, so that uh, led to this paradigm where mm-hmm. you know white people who didn't know me I guess I would have just been a nigger mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, the black people who didn't know me I was an Uncle Tom and I had to figure out who I am and, you know, and that took uh, that, that was a moment in time mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know embrace who I was
0: so yeah, whole process, that whole process, because we now. get we get that a lot. We we get that a lot. And I, I know even Stephanie talked about that.
3: Mm-hmm. When you
0: encounter um, when you encounter someone that is going through that or still have those mm-hmm. stigmas as it relate to you. what What is it mm-hmm. that you that you offer them and give them um, to talk about or to help them through that transition process? Because although um, we would think that that no longer goes on, I still hear oh, that today in schools. Goes.
2: It still goes on. Um, I, I've had clients who have had that um, experience, and I tell you, you have to wait it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is an, uh, another side to it, and um, in between, in the meantime, you have to really check your own values and your mm-hmm. goals, and know who you are and what you
0: represent. Mm-hmm. Is it so as things sim- will change? Is it as simple? Are we asking when we ask individuals to be aware of their blackness, are we asking them are we welcoming to the whole idea of blackness? Or are we asking them to be a part of what are the stereotypical points? And we talk about this a lot. Yeah, we do. We do. We, do. we talk about like what is what does it mean to be black? Because in, in theory, especially in America, and we're only talking in America. Mm-hmm. There is there is only a negative archetype to being black.
1: We always go back and forth about this, Eric, not only a negative archetype, They're but that is the loudest one. That is the loudest. OK. OK. okay. So I think, what, you know, what I'm hearing you ask, and I definitely want Bruce to weigh on on this, is that when you say, hey, be aware of your blackness, is it be mm-hmm. aware of how um, the society perceives blackness to be mm-hmm. and accept that or be aware of your blackness as it is pertaining to your own individual identity. And me and you go back and forth on this all the time, so we know what we're going to say. But I am curious about what you believe, Bruce, around that.
2: Well, focus, I guess, on uh, the cultural norms that people are experiencing. For instance, um, those who are oppressed become oppressors.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: So, um, you know, we, we do that through good hair, bad hair, light skin, dark right. skin. We do that within right? our own so, community. So to know that that exists, and it exists in a larger content because of the oppression that we experience. So we have an opportunity to stop it. We know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ours by birthright. It was given to us in, in this culture that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. And, and for us to continue to do it to take on that uh, mantra and then, you know, victimize our own people. Mm-hmm. We we can stop that. That's that's something that can be stopped.
0: But it's profitable for that division. There is there is profit, or there is profit within our community in that division. There's profit in division in anybody, but there's profit yeah. within our community of the division, and it it has always been there. And so, when when Steph and I go back and forth about it. I, I truly want to know or question the idea of are we asking people to to be aware of their blackness as it related to the negativity? Because that's usually what happens mm-hmm. in America. You don't know that you're black until somebody tells you now you're in your house with your black people. You know you black. But what it means to be black in America is usually is usually a different awakening overall, no matter where you are.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the differentiation between an awareness of how you are perceived Mm -hmm. and awareness of how you are, right? And how to manage those two perceptions that society gets from you by how you behave and how they have historically identified Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I think that we've always talked about just being aware of the two, Mm -hmm. not necessarily awareness to acceptance to now I have to integrate this to be myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't Mm -hmm. think that's true at all. I mean, what are you saying about it, Bruce, about, you know, do we take that negative perception and own it to be this is who we are um, is that what no, you've I don't, done I don't,
2: I don't think we, we we take on that perception I think I think we're aware of our blackness um, in where we're raised mm-hmm. in the messages that we get from our, our parents or our caregivers right. um, and extended family and if they've worked through some of that stuff and they have to some extent mm-hmm. um, Then We we kind of take that on. I think we know who we are, but we also know that there's this other community Mm -hmm. and our relationship to this other community is troubled at best.
1: Yeah. And I I love how you said, you know, work through if we worked through mm -hmm. that. So that speaks to it being a process, you know, something that you have to definitely definitely be intentional about that also will require coping. That could also be negative mm-hmm. coping, right. which yeah. could lead into our topic right. of, you know, this That's epidemic how, right. of addiction. That's exactly is, how it works, and, and
2: exactly, That's I exactly mean, how it mean the way that I coped, um, and you know, in the '70s in Cleveland Heights, mm-hmm. well, there was a lot of good pot around. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: light it up okay <laughs> oh gosh don't
2: get me. yeah i do uh, not well, well, it was. i, <laughs> I hung out with the mind. hippies who didn't judge right oh, yeah. there there you. Was, that became my you know there, 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 there were <laughs> white people there were white people and there were the stoners who you know just yeah. didn't have any of the, of the other garbage that was necessary for communities and that's what we did we got high you out got, it,
0: hey you got the code i'm with it now we're now mm-hmm. go back to your once you became the Uncle Tom and this and that and that awareness, how did do, how mm-hmm. does how did that integrate since you use the word integrate, inti- integrate into that self being or that view of well,
2: self? I mean, uh a in a couple of ways. I mean, I tried to do no, other than just smoking a bunch of pot, you know, uh <laughs> we we organized like the first uh Martin Luther King Day at in Cleveland Heights in mm-hmm. the wow. 70s. It was I guess nineteen seventy four, it was the first okay. you know, uh Openly, you know, there was this group called Black and White Dialogue,
3: mm. and
2: a, a great teacher uh, who really changed the course of my life. Her name was Carol Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. and um, she had a whole new vision about uh, what was going on in, in Cleveland Heights at that time. And she brought white people, uh, white students from, you know, Maine. Stream schools and uh, mm. group nights, and I was in this program called New School, which was mm. like a kind of college prep hippy dippy kind of thing. Right. And um, and we worked on doing actions. Okay. So so we were always you know trying to confront that, confront the racism that mm-hmm. was there, and bring people together on a table to talk about it. Okay.
0: okay. That's good. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does. It makes sense. And what's interesting is we had, an, we had another guest that talked about busing and how that related to, because back then in the seventies and during that time there were mm-hmm. busing and that integration and how that hammer, it was actually a hammer that he felt yeah. to his self on wow. that integration, going from this city that he was at mm-hmm. across to the west side, and mm-hmm. seeing a whole different aspect of who you are and what other people view you as you are.
1: And imagine, and I mean, like busting, hammer. imagine right. flying, and right. you know, boating, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, getting really across <laughs> right. the country. You yeah. know, it, it's definitely an evolution. It's definitely an evolution. That was, that was good. That was good. So we're going
0: to go ahead and take our first break while well, I mess with uh, Stephanie's boots. Take so our first annoying. break. <laughs>
1: so annoying.
0: Uh, you're listening to Unapologetically Black. We'll be back. Welcome back. Unapologetically Black. I am E. King. We got our special guest co-host, Stephanie Kelly Lewis. And we have on the line brother, Johns. What? Jones. That's okay, how they say Jones. Okay, no, it down, so. it's
1: jo- Don't be That's how they say friendly. it. That's why
0: they say it up in New, uh, New York, Jones.
1: well we're here, okay? okay so, yeah We have Bruce Jones on the line for all of those Actually who cannot.
0: Jonas. Jo- oh, Jones. Is it
1: Jones? <laughs> See? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. what a good, this is a good oh, energy. I okay, love this vibe. Okay. Three clinicians on right. the line, guys.
0: All <laughs> oh, we do all, all day is listen to other people. So now other people got to listen to us. All right, so let's <laughs> jump into this. So we know we know that right now we are in our third segment of the War on Drugs. We've had a couple. Um, we've yeah. had a couple. Richard Nixon. We had Bush. And then mm-hmm. we have we have we have Richard Nixon, Reagan, Bush, and now actually it's our fourth. Now mm-hmm. we have forty-five, and so he states that now we're we're on this whole epidemic mm-hmm. idea. But what's interesting about the epidemic is this is a different type of epidemic. This it's epidemic, a different drug. and it's a little sexier. The reason why it's a little what? sexier, let me go ahead. I'm gonna <clears throat> explain this.
1: Please okay. clarify. The reason why
0: the reason why it's sexier is because at one point it was involved to take these pills, uh, the opioid pills. Now we're not talking about the. Hair Heroin, yeah,
1: right? We're here gonna Ron. get, we're
0: gonna, right here, Ron. You're talking about Oxycontin. right? We're talking yeah. about what's sexy. You go, you, you got to get a prescription for these things. We're not talking about in the '60s where the cats used to be in the jazz clubs smoking and or hitting this stuff up. We're talking about this sexy drug now, which is inside of what? Wait,
1: I, I I'm not really for the sexy adjective. I mean, I think it's more elite.
0: Well, this is the thing: the sexy, the sexiest drug gets the most pub as well as gets the most money. That okay. is that is how it's always been. Okay. Cocaine got more money than crack. So to go back to that point, that mm-hmm. standpoint, we're looking at a different epi- we're looking at a different epidemic. But what we're going to focus on specifically is in the black community because this looks a little different. This thing mm-hmm. called opiate, we have two ways to come into it, right? We have one way as recreational use. Yes. Right. Then we second way we have the good old boy way. To where, in north northeast Ohio, in the in the Bible Belt, in the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. in Michigan and all these other areas where they use their bodies in order to make their money now their body break down mm-hmm. they went to the doctor got a pill mm-hmm. things went on they became hooked now what they're looking at is that two different tracks one they want to say the people that are using the opioid to get high for recreational use are different than the individuals that use it for pain relief. But in theory, in, not in theory, in reality, us being three clinicians, they're exactly the same. Absolutely. And so the yeah. question that I have, and I want, I want, I'm gonna start with uh, with Bruce, is why is it in our community? Well, not, I'm sorry. Why is it that this drug um, does not get the same? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not even attention, but the same scrutiny Mm -hmm. as, as other drugs. So why, why are we now pouring in millions of dollars, have things on the ballot stating that they're going to give 70 cent for every dollar to treatment programs? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing that now when we didn't do that with crack?
2: Well, I mean, the obvious answer is because it's affecting, you know, young white males in Mm -hmm. suburbia. Right. Um, And so people fear that, but you know, The opioid epidemic, Cleveland has had several, Mm -hmm. um, but they were with brown and black people, Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't a lot. Um, There's a division uh, currently in that um, white people who are caught up in the epidemic are viewed as victims, okay? Mm -hmm. whereas black individuals are viewed as addicts.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's a significant difference. Um, But we have to take it a step back and look at the advent of where the pills come. Most people are not aware, and I just have to say this because it's just just my duty Mm -hmm. to say this, that uh, the majority of the opioid epidemic started with the advent of Oxycontin. Oxycontin was... Controlled by one pharmaceutical company, Purdue Pharma, mm-hmm. and this is where it gets interesting. This Purdue Pharma, still is, to this day, is owned by one family.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: One family. It's not a board. Oh, it's not. A, it's not voted. It's one family wow. owns this pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. and they had started by uh, doing MS cotton, which was marketed to people who were in hospice, in mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. illnesses and as a patent wore out they said why can't we market this larger for any kind of pain to the larger community and make a time release okay. uh, uh, a drug and it was solely for money and they marketed it to doctors lying saying that it was not addictive yep. when in fact they knew it mm-hmm. was and so in 2000 I believe 2007 uh, they were uh found guilty by the united states supreme court mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for mislabeling uh they would fined 600 million dollars which is nothing when their revenue from uh oxycons was nine billion mm-hmm. mm. so they they would find 600 million none of which went to treatment by the way it all went to law enforcement
0: so yeah, that's and that's the key part because mm-hmm. the idea is just with any any other drug, because we are a nation of laws in America, mm-hmm. we we have to look at, there. there's only two tracks. There's only two ways to get people off of drugs. One is prevention, to think about never mm-hmm. being on it, and then one is mm-hmm. harmless, re, harmless reduction. Mm-hmm. Now the mm-hmm. struggle with harmless reduction, one, you have to figure out which drug. You can't mm-hmm. necessarily do harmless reduction with the mm-hmm. opioid, although we have Suboxone and Methadone clinics, mm-hmm. but Harmless reduction goes directly against every law that we've written on the books. Absolutely. And they go towards prevention, but they only put towards in prevention. They only put it towards the media or putting it out there. Say don't do. They don't Mm -hmm. add anything in that third in that third column as it relates to treating the individuals as well as preventing individuals based on high risk areas. What's your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that one?
1: well I mean not necessarily just with high risk area I think it's just not accessible you know okay. like so I think it's out there but it's not accessible you know you're mm-hmm. shipping these families off to California to this very private mm-hmm. you know yeah. resort like um, intervention or in prevention center mm-hmm. and I, I mean it's still a business at the end of the day mm-hmm. sometimes the treatment is a business mm-hmm. just as the need and so in order to market mm-hmm. for the treatment you need to have the need. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your thoughts Bruce on that one?
2: Well I think Stephanie's right. Um, Sad. I mean there are there are these now when you want to talk sexy mm-hmm. those treatment centers passages and you know uh, Malibu Hill mm-hmm. or whatever right. which by the way insurance doesn't cover no. <laughs> mm-hmm. no. yeah, because they're not really evidence-based mm-hmm. Um yeah and, and who can go there who can afford to go to those places
0: just where, as opposed to the, the army, right? Yes, the
3: exactly.
0: folks with money so mm-hmm. yeah they're, exactly. they're, they're just not so to switch it back to our community so to go back to that the nation of laws right? and we're looking mm-hmm. at it from like I said harmless reduction don't work and then prevention mm-hmm. goes directly with the laws mm-hmm. so our community and what's interesting our community has less police officers to police the community but mm-hmm. we're the most over policed uh, community period. And mm-hmm. so oh, sure. you're locking up individuals as far as the black community and the black community. correct. Right. You're locking up individuals that are, that are both sellers and users mm-hmm. without any type of help for those individuals. So you work for frontline. Well, yeah. What do you see? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing?
2: Well, listen, I mean, the advent of private prisons is directly related to substance use mm-hmm. directly. Mm hmm. And there is a force if if I'm an owner of a prison and i'm not not, not only am I uh, making money by having this incarcerated population, which is you know the majority black males, right not only that, but I can also use those black males and lease them out for contract labor,
0: which is actually happening
1: Absolutely, right, which is actually Slavery. happening so
2: mm-hmm. so I'm not really I don't have an impetus to uh, change that mm-hmm. by. necessarily mm-hmm. or treatment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is not in my best interest uh, uh, as a prison owner. Right. Right. So I uh, you're not you're not going to see money funneled back into communities to address that.
1: And you know, uh, I think it's and I'm gonna oppose
2: any law that would um uh, impact my population. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, you know, and but I'm also like going to entertain <laughs> like issue one, but I'm also going to entertain it by renaming my facilities, uh rehabilitation centers. Mm. <laughs> you gotcha, know what I mean? So gotcha. it's so it's, you know, mm. it's just about how can I address both markets? But it's pain, a business. pain
0: management is a thing and it doesn't pain is the extraordinary indicator because <laughs> it no matter who you are, what you are with race or whatever, when pain hits you, you want it to stop. It's your b- body's natural um, alarm system to tell you that something wrong.
1: Absolutely, but, but here's it, the thing: the pharmacists pay. I mean, <laughs> that's taxes, right? right. But if, if you know Pookie right. got a couple pills right. from Jonathan right. Right. and they selling it, that now has had more profit with less payment okay. to the government. What you got? You understand Bruce? what well, I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. I'm well, gonna tell you booty
2: again. I, I was on a panel with. Um, uh, the director of the Cleveland Clinic's uh, recovery uh, unit, mm-hmm. he said that um, Americans uh, consume 80% of all pharmaceuticals created on the planet.
0: Yeah. 80%. Mm, that
2: was, uh, is, yeah, yeah. This is significant. And he said, to make that real, it would, if for Ohio, mm-hmm. it would mean that every man, woman, and child could have a pharmaceutical pill every four hours for six months.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, so Did you I get that, me though? Thinking. For six months? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that, that's why did I'm just sitting here oh, like, goodness. are you kidding me? I mean, you're bringing that, all the knowledge, Bruce, because yeah, what?
0: That's crazy. But
2: we as a culture... When you break your arm, you're supposed to be in pain.
0: Exactly. True. (laughs) Avi.
2: And we have have, uh, gotten into our collective conscious that we are not supposed to be in pain ever. Right. Exactly. Or uncomfortable. Right. And that's not true. And, I mean, 20 years ago, when you went to a doctor, a nurse did not ask you on a scale from 1 to 10, what is your
1: pain? Mm-hmm. That didn't exist. And you yeah. know what's so interesting? And let's so let's really break I this down. About We're about that. to go so deep. Go ahead, so the money runs so long. So yeah. accreditations mm-hmm. when facilities are accredited, mm-hmm. hospitals mm-hmm. and psych clinics. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. you have to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Even as a therapist, I'm at a private practice. We have mm-hmm. to ask that question. Okay. So mm-hmm. the accreditation. You know organizations have you asked that question mm-hmm. I'm wondering who's paying them
2: it's, so I wonder well, who's paying them it, that came from the pharmaceutical company okay. absolutely that's what company, I'm getting at working with the hospital saying hey you're you shouldn't be in pain you know we, we should address that that's like that, that no. filter down <laughs> to to the doctors and that became the fifth vital they're trying
3: to change yes. that
2: now but that. That was called the fifth vital sign. They take your blood pressure, you know, uh, you know, all, all the other things, mm-hmm. and finally they gas that
0: question. Okay, and which, that was triage before you even saw right, the doctor. That is true. That's yeah. Which also yeah.
1: increases your level of awareness yeah. of pain that you're already managing. And it you can mm-hmm. din- And then it highlights the importance that that is that is relevant, and right. we can help address right. it. Right. Which then produces drug seeking right. mindset yes. and, and behavior. Shopping,
0: doctor shopping and
1: doctor mm-hmm. shopping. So before we get to we, oh, b- before we get so too far deep. off
0: and let's let's keep with that no, pain thing. no 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 mm-hmm. but that's good let's keep with the with the uh with the uh, pain thing so in our community in the black community mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. mostly are, are we we're mostly our lower lower economic status mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're also using we are in jobs that are taxing on our bodies so the question that i have for you is if this is the case and we're doing this thing called manual labor and we're not expected, for one, in the black community, we're never expected to have pain. So, Bruce, mm-hmm. if you say that we've had this in the black community before, was the genesis before an idea of pain as well? Or was this more recreational?
2: Well, one of the things I found out that really kind of blew my way back is that there is an unspoken, um, I don't even know what you call this, a reality among doctors, black and white. Mm-hmm. This is a medical profession thing, that black people yep. somehow mm-hmm. are able to endure pain more than mm-hmm. Caucasians.
0: Mm-hmm. So, which, is not, which is false.
1: <laughs> well, I, with a little resilience, I mean, back. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, been we're, we're able
2: to deal <laughs> with it because right. you know we, we transmit exactly. that at high blood pressure.
0: Exactly, it ha- we that have, is very we, we have other physical manifestations of stress and pain. Yes, that is yes. true. Now the key, mm-hmm. and what's interesting, you said that is that that is something within the black mm-hmm. with black doctors as well as mm-hmm. uh, white doctors but it's also within the black community we don't give ourselves yes. the opportunity to feel pain because no. we don't know how to dialogue about that quite a quite mm-hmm. a few of my of the men that I have in my clinic when I talk to them they come in with, with and they state that they're having what's called panic attacks mm-hmm. what they're mm-hmm. actually having is a tip of the iceberg explosion of emotions that they've never had the opportunity to get out and so it's not a panic attack is that you don't know how to articulate your pain and so Mm -hmm. when we go when we bring it back was the first opioid addiction in the black community was it pain or was it recreation or in other words was an escaping coping mechanism or was it a, a medical coping mechanism to what we were feeling i don't you
2: know i i think i mean you have to keep in mind, uh, in the seventies, uh, mm-hmm. racism was, you know, still very overt. Right. True. And, um, and I, I, think to ameliorate that with heroin was a, um, a possible thing. So it was um, a
0: mental coping mechanism. It was coping.
1: Right. Sure. It was yeah. an escapism. And keep in gotcha. mind, yeah. you
2: know, uh, heroin ads back in the day, um, these were men and women who maintained jobs Mm-hmm uh, you know, who, uh, were, you know, beautifully dressed, mm-hmm. you know, they, it, it wasn't what we see with crack, Right. Mm-hmm. you know, people were able to maintain. So they use heroin as a, ma- as, as a maintenance drug. And oddly enough, when we talk about the opioid epidemic in African Americans, mm-hmm. the reason why, uh, our numbers are going up in terms of overdose deaths, Because you take these same people from the 70s who have maintained either on methadone
0: or heroin, but Mm -hmm.
2: now there are two new drugs that are, you know...
0: Fentanyl. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and carbon all that carcinol. are coming in. Right. Every single drug, even crack, right. where people can't calculate and titrate those doses.
1: Right. No. so And with more stressors, right. you know? Because just that's increasing.
0: More, more visual mm-hmm, stressors yes. and more physical manifestations of the stress. But we're going to take a quick break, and then wow. we're going to come back on the other side. And since since you broached the idea of overdosing, we're going to look at some mm-hmm. numbers as it relates to overdosing in the black community. And then sure. also, want to, because you... In other words, you work for Frontline, but we're actually, all three of us are on the front line of Mm -hmm. what we do, this thing called the opioid or substance abuse, um, Mm -hmm. substance abuse treatment. Yes. So we're gonna talk a little bit about solutions or what else needs to be done from our standpoint so i know what i have
1: yeah I what do, think, and what do people need to know
0: you're right and mm-hmm. and that's the key part we're although we're clini- we're all clinicians we're in the community we have to we 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 have a right or we need to say more about what needs to be done not only from when we're in our office or teaching our classes we have a duty we got a duty so let mm-hmm. me go ahead and take a quick break you're listening to Unapologetically we are def- Black. welcome back unapologetically black I am E. King, special guest co-host Stephanie, and we also have Bruce on the line. What's going on, man? We still here? I'm
2: still here. All still right. here.
0: So let's get into it. So you broached on the other side of the break. You spoke about the overdose. So I know mm-hmm. that you have some numbers. So give us some numbers before we talk about a couple of reports from the Washington Post and in the New York Times where they're looking at specifically I want to talk, since we're in Cuyahoga County, I want to talk about mm-hmm. Cuyahoga County. So what, what numbers you got?
2: Well, from 2017, the preliminary drug report, mm-hmm. um, uh, it says that in Kyle County, uh, and this is through the medical examiner's report, Thomas Gibson, um, that we experienced 727 total drug overdose deaths. That includes prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. It was 666 in 2016. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
2: Um, 804 drug overdose deaths, including heroin, fentanyl, and cocaine. Um, and uh, 492 deaths uh, were fentanyl deaths uh, straight out, Mm -hmm. and 191 were carfentanil deaths straight Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So those numbers, but what those numbers don't show in terms of um, African Americans, um, like I talked about before, uh, people who were using heroin, Mm -hmm. previous to this had opioid epidemic, are those carfentanil deaths Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to measure and titrate the dose. Okay, And then there's a weird thing. I mean, just to be honest and and to tell you the truth, there's a weird thing that happens with addicts. Um, If you're in active addiction and you hear that poor people die across town from carfentanil, you say to yourself, where do I get that drug? They didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I know how to do it.
0: And that's where, right, right. And so to go back to the overdosing, mm-hmm. and so we're working we're working in this, we work in this type of environment. Stephanie, what are you yeah. seeing? Um, so before we get into the, to what, a couple of other numbers, but what are you seeing as um, far as working with individuals or working with the community?
1: You know it's interesting? Mm-hmm. I really don't see a lot of okay. blacks, okay. like as far as, because, you know, I mm-hmm. am doing, um, I work with. juvenile court obviously and um and private practice and i target adolescents In the private practice i Mm -hmm. see adults but i haven't really come across a lot of substance abuse clients in general Mm because i deal with that so chronically mm-hmm. with adolescents I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of African American adolescents mm-hmm. who are court and system involved mm-hmm. um, getting to this higher level of drug but, however right, they also it's just not being captured because we talk a lot that. about this right. how we have community based family center drug treatment programs to really target and it's evidence based to really target mm-hmm. this area. But these kids are going because they're not African American usually. Right. Just being honest, they are going hospital track and getting placed in facilities right. and really kind of um, not coming to the court involvement. Right, right. When they do come into the court involvement, they're drug court right. and it's not really family centered and it is diversion and it is a lot about individual work. Now, the African Americans, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, it's marijuana.
0: So, so to go back, Honestly. go back to your point, and go back to what actually Bruce was reporting. He was reporting deaths. we're, we're what mm-hmm. I'm asking about or trying to look into are alive people. Actually,
1: yeah, that's what I'm right. saying. Yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah. so what I hear you're saying is that we're not checking into these. To, we're not we're not using clinics to treat opioid addiction but we're seeing it in the morgue after people are dying from opiate sure. overdoses. Because we're
1: not, not monitoring. Really. We're not monitoring because, like you said, it's a sexy drug, so right. you, know, you see something is off with your children. I can only speak mm-hmm. to adolescents, but you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. or it's sustainable, or it's a surprise, or you go to the hospital okay. and now you send your kid to a clinic and that is not necessarily being captured in reports. I had one kid mm-hmm. die, actually. Just one kid out of... Uh, The 12 years I've done this work, and he was not non black, Mm -hmm. and um, he died of an overdose of a fentanyl patch. Okay, and um, at the end of the day, it really went, um It was under the radar a little Mm. bit you know because the crimes that was being committed weren't seen he wasn't really responsive family was doing everything he wasn't responsive to treatment and at the end of the day i think as a society we Mm. get very stuck with addiction in adolescence we get stuck go
0: back a little bit so there's a middle part to this thing and that's where the solution part comes from so if if the individuals or the agencies or hospitals are calculating the amount of, of addicted people coming in. They, and through that calculation that's where money goes and 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 advertisement mm-hmm. in the in those neighborhoods so what what i hear you saying one of the main reasons why we're not seeing a greater amount of advertising in those neighborhoods is because the individuals that are on the front line or our first responders are not actually seeing these people not that they're not there what bruce is reporting and what it says in they're the new there. york times it <clears throat> said 46 People overdose per 1,000 in Cuyahoga County in mm-hmm. 2016. That's a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. so, think, think we're about seeing what them Bruce at the said, end. But right. think about what Bruce said. What? Where does he work? What is his targeted population? Homeless. Homeless.
0: Exactly. But the key part is the money goes towards what's being reported from these first, these, you know, the hospitals and first responders. In other mm-hmm. words, the money and the reason why we're not seeing a increase in amount of prevention. <laughs> you know, quote mm-hmm. unquote, uh, media stuff is because no one's reporting this,
1: and it's not a lot of outreach; it's a lot of billboards. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, but but at the end of the day, what do we? What did Bruce talk about before? He talked about this family, this royal family that's right. behind the drug, all of it.
0: right? Right.
1: So if we did actually see that it was working, these treatment facilities were addressing mm-hmm. this issue, and they cured. Mm-hmm they cured these individuals mm-hmm. and how the addiction started mm-hmm. became documented and mm-hmm. documented and documented. Mm-hmm. What would happen to this drug? Do
0: Do you think what so, would happen to the drug? So it would go, it would go away and, and they would what, lose money. Exactly. Would, so, so Bruce, let's go back. So we know that we're taught, and I teach also that addiction, we look at it from a brain chemical standpoint and we we talk about it from a genetic standpoint and we we let go of the idea of choice. So if we're looking at it as it relates to uh, outreach in the community and what we're looking for as far as within our black community, if we are looking at diabetes and uh, mm-hmm. high, hypertension from a genetic standpoint, do you believe that one of the things that we need to also do is go back to looking at addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's weed, whether it's anything else from that biological oh, aspect to oh, help sure. with to put
2: stuff out? Absolutely. I mean, the treatment model that we currently use is ineffective. Um, it, you know, we funnel people to 12-step programs, mm-hmm. Um, which it's a whole different paradigm. I mean, uh, if I have a disease, mm-hmm. and we're we're saying that addiction is a disease, right. are you telling me that the prescription for my disease is prayer and meditation? That's crazy.
0: Right, <laughs> mindfulness and a higher yes, power. Right, I got you.
2: You know, um, now twelve uh, uh, step programs are are great. They're accessible. They're free. Um, there's uh, ability to form you know new support groups, but the uh opposite of addiction is not abstinence it Mm -hmm. is connection right and we know this when we look at um portugal Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. for the last 18 years has legalized every single drug they have taken the money from law enforcement and placed that into an account and they went around and they said every addict whether you were a nail technician or whether you were a uh, 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 high-tech uh, uh, web page developer, mm-hmm. they went to a company that suited your interest and said, we'll pay this person's salary for a year. Really? Yes. <laughs> you sign on. And what happened was <laughs> that the drug addiction, drug addiction went down because people started getting connected. They had wow. work friends. Wow. They had a a. A public persona that they were proud of, mm-hmm. and as a result of that connectedness, mm-hmm. uh, the drug lost its pull.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
2: And and we have that in Portugal now. It's a living, breathing experiment, experiment. that is working. But that won't happen
0: here. So, what were you about to say, Steph?
1: I was just going to say, and so what you're speaking to is really system work, you know. Yeah. And and yes. that's and that's all I do. You know, I'm a part of the evidence based treatment program, multi systemic mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. and we literally, with an adolescence. Again, I cannot speak to adults. Mm-hmm. Within adolescence, we look at it. It doesn't need to be just genetic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is how they got the drug was a system. Right. They got right. in the community. They got to a drug dealer. Right. They got a mm-hmm. barter a system process. of some right. sort, that's a and process. so you have to go back and reroute the addiction mm-hmm. and address all of those areas. But you have to look at they it, Got there, right?
0: And that's and that is key. But we also have to go back and look at it and say this thing called addiction is a disease. Yes, we're talking yes. about the pr- process to treat the disease. Right, I got you, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I got you. But I don't think we do enough of connecting the idea of disease with these things, especially within our community, because it's so prevalent and it's so. Mm-hmm. And... Molly or MDNA mm-hmm. is also something that is sexy mm-hmm. that is killing our our, mm-hmm. our uh, community. Weed oh, absolutely. is mm-hmm. killing, you know. Back in the, so we so it isn't like yeah it, it isn't like these things, those things right. Yeah, it isn't it's like it's these absolutely all those things don't exist. I think we need to put it back in the perspective of if this is the, a disease, we need to do something about it. Now, Bruce, before we mm-hmm. get too far out off, you know, from the solution standpoint, mm-hmm. what are some things that you're finding out that are working within the industries that you? You have been a part of and one that you work with now that are connecting Mm -hmm. to this thing called uh, overdose and usage within our community?
2: Well, what I've tried to initiate in um, the curriculum that I I developed, and I do substance abuse groups, is to look and frame it from the early 70s, looking at a war on drugs, Mm -hmm. looking at the United States position. About drugs which is different from other countries
1: absolutely um,
2: and how we treat addicts uh, to remove the stigma because some people are targeted to be addicts just because mm-hmm. they are there because of you know uh, lack of education because mm-hmm. of poverty um, we have breeding grounds for addiction I mean you are know, dealing with the fact that uh, a child born from one addicted parent is 61% predisposed to developing that addiction themselves
3: right Mm
2: -hmm. so um if we throw in poverty or molestation or anything like that then that gene gets expressed and that person literally does become the addict that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. today okay so we need to go back to the family first and and uh, look at you know a scores and things like that and try to figure out uh, where this population is going to be and intervene Earlier, mm-hmm. yes, okay. um, yes,
1: prevention, much prevention. much earlier,
0: mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, and then secondly, um, but wait, prevention with a purpose though, not yeah. the way, not yes. the way we've been doing it.
1: I don't think what we're doing is prevention. I think what we're doing what is marketing. Talking, yeah, we're right. we're doing we're doing. I think we're so far from that. I think what society is doing is exposing, mm-hmm. you know, and we're learning mm-hmm. as we go. We mm-hmm. do not mm-hmm. have a good pulse on this population mm-hmm. as a country, nor do they really want they as in right. those that be power, you know right. the, the powers makers. that be gotcha. they don't want us to right <laughs> you know they right. they no, don't nothing, you know they there's don't
2: nothing for the pharmaceutical companies
1: they Again, don't benefit absolutely by investing
2: not in Wellness and prevention, right. and
1: so what they do is they create these clinics, these right. methadone clinics, many, these which is clinics. which is actually you know still addicting. No, it's
0: the same. It, 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 you just can't. Same, over, you, know, you just, just can't. Not, unquote, it's sustained.
1: It's sustained addiction. Yeah, but it is
2: harm reduction, right. I mean, oh, It's, it's yeah, a coma harm reduction.
0: It's harm reduction for yeah. Yeah. but it's not prevention. It's not. It's not, pre- it's no, not a part of prevention. It's, not prevention. It's, it's more of a. If we go back to the nation of laws thing, they're less likely to 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 rob and steal to get the drug. Absolutely. Now go go back to what you were saying bruce now so that was one what else what else uh did you want to add because i do i do want to get back into the that issue one thing and i'm not sure. going to ask you i'm not going to ask anybody how you voted on it but i am going to get back to it and tell it's you any business some, it's none of my business <laughs> right and we are going to discuss uh some things that i heard from where i was watching i was at mm-hmm. the watch party on tuesday but go ahead what you were what you were saying bruce. well to,
2: to kind of destigmatize addiction um, it is a disease. It's not a moral failing. So why does it carry this stigma, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that other diseases don't have and mm-hmm. it is in fact a disease because it meets the criteria for disease, right? Right. which is it has to be debilitating, mm-hmm. it has to be able to be tested, and it has to be able to be treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, those three things have to be there for someone to have a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of disorders that don't meet that criteria
3: right right Exactly.
2: Right? exactly. But for it to have a disease and pure and simple disease it has to meet those three
0: criteria and if it's a disease and it needs to be treated not treated and not, be able to be tested exactly and be able to be tested and not not mm-hmm. prosecuted so go back so right. we so we just had an election on November 6th, and mm-hmm. one, of, one of the issues that were on was Issue 1. And Issue 1 mm-hmm. had some struggles with it. So it definitely yes. had, because it was the cons- constitutional amendment and some of the language as and it—
2: statewide, right,
0: statewide. Right, so, yeah. uh, right. It I, they, state, they, right, it was statewide. That killed it. Right. And it was also some aspects as it related to maybe some of the money would go, you know, the, the money from the saving in the budget. So I was at a watch party on uh, that night. Um, uh, one of our one of the representative uh, councilwoman brown they mm-hmm. had was a part of this uh, organization the democratic organization and so i was at the watch party and i asked a couple couple higher ups or some heavy hitters why didn't you know what happened to issue one and what they stated was and this is just from a, a purely getting getting out they didn't really care mm-hmm. about the mental health aspect is that they did not reach enough young people and so young people didn't understand what was going on. So I teach a Saturday class and hmm. I teach a Saturday substance abuse class and even the students that I had when I broke it down prior to the voting. Once again I didn't tell them how to vote, who to vote or whatever. But I you know I, I said mental health parity is is you know as a clinician you have to pay attention to mental health parity you have to pay attention to the laws mm-hmm. where the money mm-hmm. is going you have to mm-hmm. why because if they're if this place is paying you twenty five thousand dollars but the, the people that are making the money off of the people that you're treating are getting or making millions of dollars you have to mm-hmm. look at the way things are broke up yes so from that standpoint what they basically stated was young people didn't get into it but what I also didn't enjoy about it is that they didn't explain in the mental health aspects of it. No. They just mm-hmm. went straight criminalized. They didn't explain this. Sev-
1: and how they stated at the issue.
0: Exactly. They didn't explain a sev- 70 cent for every dollar went towards treatment.
1: But why do you think they didn't state that in the issue?
0: Because now this is the key part because they, they, they added everybody else into it. It meaning as in they criminalized it as saying that issue one is going to promote dealers without mm-hmm. actually stating that issue one, because dealers and users are similar without Mm -hmm. stating that issue one is going to do this. Now they tried, but I just think, I just, I think that's our problem. Yes. We don't read enough and we don't know. enough. Well,
1: and I think also when you add, you know, a dealer of a, fentanyl patch Mm -hmm. having a reduction in their offense and people are dying of fentanyl patches and you state that in your issue and you don't specify how it can help with prevention and treatment, Mm -hmm. then to me it shows a little bit of flexibility in mm-hmm. the negotiation of those numbers, but it
0: also it would change it would change some of the you know the incarcerated individual, which were the black people. Mm-hmm. It would change their their marijuana it, law to mm-hmm. to misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Now they're felonies, and so it had all it's this stuff. Two in it two
1: separate issues though that they right, that. into
0: one issue. In right. It
1: needed to be broken down right. into multiple issues. Right.
2: And- Go ahead. And Go ahead, the Bruce. American Society of Addiction Medicine mm-hmm. uh, did not support issue one, mm-hmm. and those are doctors who are trained uh, to work with addicts. And right. I think that poll—they're not supporting it. Um, people look to doctors and went, "Well, if the doctors aren't doing it, you know." And I'm not sure why the doctors did not. I, I was trying to track down that information. I just couldn't right. find it. Um, secondly. Um, because it worked with dealers. Uh, dealers are stigmatized, and people don't recognize that, listen, you can't have addicts unless you have dealers. They're in this symbiotic kind of relationship. Most yeah. definitely. And, and money is mood and mind altering. Yes. It yes, absolutely it is. is. Yes, and it we is. know that because we'd rather have $500 in our pocket <laughs> right. than
1: 50 cents. I right? so do. You It right?
2: <laughs> gives us power. It gives us choice. And, and You know, never mind that. Dealing is a way out of what you think you're seeing in your community, in your neighborhood. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what you see. Those people have the money, those are the people with the cars, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But dealing in itself is addictive. Right. You know, and Narcotics Anonymous has a famous saying that if the drugs don't get you, the lifestyle will. Right. Yes. Exactly. And right? I think
1: also there, you know, it's a money thing. They, yeah. the, the society perceives, or you know, doctors, pharmacists, all the big bucks who who are paying their taxes, ain't no dealer needs to get away with stealing my money. I think right. that That's has so too. much to do with it. The issues mm-hmm. should not have been combined.
0: And my last point on that is that remember when uh, President Trump was saying we're going to lock up the dealers.
3: Mm-hmm. In other words, you're
0: going to mm-hmm. lock up the white coats. In other words, the doctors. That was yep. not going to happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I uh, he, he, yeah. He uh, wasn't really talking about those dealers right. because the biggest dealer, uh, going back to the Sackler family.
1: He's 45.
2: Is, um, <laughs> right. They were,
1: uh,
2: when they were uh, fined at $600 million with the United States Supreme Court, it was a misdemeanor.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was.
2: So, You walk across the street from Garden Valley and you have two oxycontins in your pocket. Mm -hmm. As you walk, you get stopped by the police. That's a felony.
1: Because it's not taxed. The money you had in your pocket (laughs) wasn't taxed. If you would have just gave them a quick 8%, you might have got down to a (laughs) misdemeanor.
2: And they're taking their motto, they're taking their model to uh, South America Mm -hmm. and India.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. and that's where it, it comes into. All that comes out, yes, and, and these yeah. are yeah. black people, and they're already doing it in,
2: yeah. in, in South America. They've got all these, uh, the biggest movie stars in South America to talk mm-hmm. about you don't need to be in pain.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for people to hear about everything is get help, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. adequate pain management,
0: mm-hmm.
1: ask questions,
0: please do, please and mm-hmm.
1: get a job. To pay your taxes All so right. nobody can hold so we're you accountable. gonna close
0: out we're gonna close out on that one because uh steph we didn't got steph steph always get riled I mean, up in the last, in the last, segment, the last <laughs> so bruce i want to thank you for Sorry, joining us and if anybody wanted to contact you where, where can they you know contact you for more information
2: well they can contact me at uh the crisis stabilization unit okay. uh, part of
0: Frontline. Okay, all right. So okay. once again, I want to thank you for joining us. That is thank Bruce you. Do we call, do we say Jones or Jones? Jones. Which one? Jonas.
1: John, no, they're going to call frontline asking right, for Jonas. Right. Jones.
0: Oh, no, Jones. And I yeah, want to thank were. Steph for uh, joining us once oh, again. It's, no problem. it's always fun. It's always fun. She gets yeah. rocked. Right, I need to figure out a way to get her spark, like right when she comes in the door. No. Yes. And it's, also,
1: happy birthday to Bruce. Happy we didn't, birthday, Bruce. didn't even <laughs> say happy we birthday. We did in the beginning. Oh, wow well, Okay, happy my bad. Happy
0: birthday to you. Happy birthday to you we going to uh, go even. all the way.
3: Oh, sorry. Well, I thought you was going to I wasn't going to
0: go all the way. All right, so this is Unapologetically Black. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everything. I want to thank everybody, Bruce. I want to thank Steph <clears> for joining us. Uh, our intro music is The Black Republican by Nas featuring Jay-Z. Our theme music is Comfort Fit. And also join us next week for another episode of Unapologetically Black. Thanks for listening. Peace.